Hello, and welcome to the fifth episode of The Melting Pot here at SAHS. I am your host, Everett Allen Hood. Today we have the Assistant Principal for Academics, Mr. Stewart. We hope whoever tunes in enjoys. So to start off, uh, could you give us a brief introduction about yourself, uh, and maybe one or two things about yourself? Sure. Uh, I think the first thing is I'm, I'm originally from, from Cleveland Heights. I mean, I was born in D.C., but I went to Cleveland Heights, University Heights schools from kindergarten all the way through high school. Uh, so I'm really, I consider myself a Clevelander. I grew up, you know, we, we took uh, many a beating from St. Ignatius, although we gave some out. So I didn't really like this school <laughs> growing up, but I, have, I, I love it now. I can't get enough of it. Um, my background prior to working at St. Ignatius, uh, I worked at Los Angeles Loyola High School. Uh, I taught uh, advanced placement courses, uh, coached baseball and coached basketball. Uh, prior to that, I worked in sales and marketing for more than 20 years, was a VP of sales and had a completely different life. So uh, can you name some similarities between Loyola High School and, and our school? Well, the physical look of the school uh, is really familiar and very comforting, uh, except in the wintertime, you get palm trees out there and you get snow here. So that's one <laughs> huge difference. But the schools are both uh, all boys, Jesuit Catholic schools with rich traditions, uh, athletically, academically, spiritually, um, service element. It, I mean, it's very much, it, it felt very familiar coming here. There's a lot of similarities. The, the thing that I guess um, really hooked me and what made me become an ed Ignatian educator was an opportunity that was presented as an invitation. Uh, I was invited onto campus to first to coach baseball and I learned about how how they treated boys, what men for others, AMDG, all these things that we almost take for granted. Uh, I, I learned about those things at a time when I wasn't a teacher. Um, and it also coincided with a period in my life where my sales career was, was clearly coming to an end. I didn't like it. Uh, I knew that I was in the wrong profession. I was doing it only for the money. Um, so the, that invitation the chance to grow spiritually and to get closer to God in a way that I really had never been able to focus on um, is what I will always be indebted to Loyola for. Uh, you know, they, they, they got me, they got me and my life on a much different and a much better path. Um, and I'll, you know, I'll always remember and thank them for that. You briefly spoke about your, your, uh, your sales career mm -hmm. um, and business. Um, so out of curiosity, what was your, uh, your professional or college life like? Well, my college life was actually uh, pretty typical. I was, you know, I was an education major. At the time, I thought that I wanted to teach and coach, and I loved those things, and I knew that. But uh, I also, you know, I, I always say I like girls, and I want to make some money. Um, so I, I was lucky enough to land a job with Procter & Gamble, which is one of the most prestigious consumer products companies in the world. Uh, and I did that right out of college, and that launched me on a long career where I never looked back. I was content to try and make as much money as I could, and uh, you know, within a few years, I was I was managing people. I was traveling, you know, two three days every single week. I was always on an airplane going somewhere, um, 
and for a while it was, it was fine. But then I got older and uh, I got married and I still traveled and we made it work. Uh, I physically moved every couple of years from city to city to city. I've, I've lived all over the country. Um, but then as we had children and we are older parents, um, I didn't want to do that anymore. And I, I realized the disconnect that was part of my life and I wanted to change it. Um, you know, and that's, that's when I wound up uh, at Loyola. Yeah, I think my, my uh, mom could personally uh, connect to that because uh, when I was young, she, she was still working at Lincoln Electric mm-hmm. and really making a lot of money through, through that. But because of all the traveling and uh, I think it was especially the traveling uh, mm-hmm. and the disconnect from, from being home, mm-hmm. uh, she pursued a career in uh, auditing instead. Yep so that she could stay here and, and whatnot. She probably has a much better quality of life. And, mm-hmm. you know, what you're going to find out and what your classmates are going to find out is you evolve. There, there are certain periods of your life where one thing is really important and then circumstances change and you want to or need to focus on something else. And uh, I think the smart ones or the lucky ones in my instance are able to listen to what is happening, uh, listen to that spirit that's moving you. Um, you know, I was, I feel, I consider myself very fortunate that I sort of landed at Loyola. Um, and now I kind of look back and I, I can clearly see the, the role that, that, uh, the Jesuits in particular have played in, in, in my life. I mean, as an example, uh, my very first little league game was at John Carroll university when I was a boy. Um, right there in University Heights, you know, 10, 15 minutes from where I grew up. That was the Jesuits. You know, I, I remember working later on at John Carroll as, um, you know, as a high school student. I, I'd go in there sometimes in my baseball uniform to wash dishes or to flip steaks or to do something with them, um, you know, on a, on a Saturday and then again on a Sunday to try and make some money. But the, the Jesuits have just kind of always been looking over my shoulder. I've, I've you know, I felt their presence it was always there. And it's only now that I've put that together that, that they actually have been there. And yeah, that might be God and the, and the Holy spirit, but I see it as more succinctly and more directly, uh, the Ignatian spirit. That's interesting because, uh, for me, I, uh, uh, Jesuit education kind of hit on me out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. Uh, even my dad, I don't think he he knew about um, Saint Ignatius much, despite being from uh, having time at Benedictine. Mm-hmm. Um, it was never really mentioned or or heard about in our family until mm-hmm. until now. Um, well, part of that's because you're smart. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm assuming your father's probably pretty smart too. But you know, in previous generations, Saint Ignatius, an education at Saint Ignatius was not even something that I dared to dream about. I, I just, it, it didn't even occur to me that I could wind up at a school like this. And I had a great high school experience. And, you know, I, I went to a really good suburban, high-performing high school. At the time that I was at Heights, we, we would have 35, 40 National Merit Scholars every year. Um, you know, it was, it, it was a good school. And I enjoyed it. But it's nothing like what you guys get here. As you know, I was a part of your African-American studies class. Mm-hmm. And 
that's a that's new, right? Yes. So, um, how how did that class start, and what content would have had would what content would the class have had if it were a normal semester? Well, uh, I don't know that the content would have been much different. Uh, I was very intentional about wanting to start that class with um, sort of uh, an assessment or a um, I don't know, that's not really the right word I'm, I'm searching for. But I, I wanted there to be a discussion and um, uh, an investigation of the role that the Jesuit community played in slavery in specifics, but with African Americans uh, as well. So I felt like uh, Georgetown University had such a well-chronicled um, historical uh, Historic, you know, historically relevant, a group of artifacts that made that that content very easy to teach. Um, African American history is really American history, but we don't necessarily need to start it before slavery. So, you know, that's when we came here. That was a logical place to start, and the, the Jesuits had this rich, chronicled history about slavery that I felt was the perfect place to start, and then. You know, you remember the day that Father Kosicki spoke to the class? Yeah. Yeah, well, Father Kosicki has made the Georgetown Slavery Archive and that sort of work uh, pretty much a centerpiece of what will be his post-apostolic life. So he was really uh, interested in, in helping me and in speaking to you guys. Um, he was really excited for that day. Um, he, he, he did, I think he probably does that with everything he touches, but... That was a really special day when, you know, we could hear from a man who is, you know, a priest, first and foremost, is a former president here, has a strong connection to St. Ignatius, and knows that material in a way that I would never be able to, to study it and learn it. So it just seemed like the perfect place to start. In a normal semester, I don't think that uh, we would start anywhere else. And my, my goal for the class is to always start with that unit on, on slavery. Um, you know, that's kind of where I see the class going. Uh, it's just that I imagine that we didn't get uh, to as much content as you, you would have preferred because of COVID well, and being there. Yeah, I mean, day. You know, I, I, you're right. We didn't cover as much content as was available to us mm -hmm. or as I would have liked. However, I feel like the class was really a success because I mean, you, you better than most know my style. I, I, I'm very interested in, in allowing the class to go where the students want it to go. Because when we do that, you're more engaged in the material. You learn it better. It, it becomes more about, you know, an investigation than about simply work that you have to do for a grade. And to me, that's the, you know, that is the essence of learning, is when you do it not because you have to, but because you actually are interested in it and, and want to do it. And I felt like 90% of the class, you know, took it that way. Yeah, I'd say that um, it's especially appropriate that it was reserved more for jun juniors and, and seniors, mm -hmm. especially yep. because, uh, you know, the uh, natural maturity as we, mm -hmm. as we grow and whatnot. Absolutely. And the themes that we touch on are, you know, they're ones that are better understood by older students. Mm -hmm. Uh, but what do you think, uh, how, how do you think um, African-American studies came about 
like uh why did you want to start the, the class in, in general so I, I, as i mentioned um african-american history is part of american history mm-hmm. and i think that our history department does a really good job of infusing the curriculum with bits and pieces of african-american history but i also think that most of the time it's pretty i don't know that there's much unique about what we do although i do believe we probably do it better than a lot of other schools that still wasn't wasn't good enough in my mind um and i mentioned coming from loyola one of my best friends uh, is a guy named jamal adams uh he's a loyola graduate uh, you know i could go on and on and on about him but he taught the class at loyola and i saw the impact that it had not just on students of color but there were always four or five white students or Asian students in his African-American studies class. And to me, that was the thing that, that was like my aha moment. In addition to being able to provide African-American students here at St. Ignatius with a critical part of their own history and an opportunity for them to learn more about themselves, I felt like the impact that that material would have on their peers and their friends that were not of African descent would be equally important and equally as powerful. And if we really are talking about diversity, equity, and inclusion, it has to be all of the above. And it has to, we have to spend some time educating those that are not of color uh, the same way we would, we would seek to enhance the education of those that are of color. Do you see any cultural, social, or systemic issues that have gone in the school or uh, have seemed to persist? <sighs> The, the, the bottom line is race is an issue in this country. And St. Ignatius is a microcosm of the country. So it is impossible for an issue that is generally within our, our overarching color, um, our overarching culture to not be part of the culture here. Now, we are grounded in faith and we have a history and sort of a guidepost that if we were to follow it would help us get beyond uh get beyond some of these things you know one of the grad grad principles is open to growth um that has to be not just our white brothers and sisters on campus but it has to be all of us that are open to that growth and that's scary uh issues surrounding race are are touchy and um the majority of white people are really not well-versed in issues of race. And this is not a criticism by any stretch of the imagination, but you know, I coach baseball. I wouldn't, I wouldn't go out there and start telling the lacrosse team how to train or how to, how to, um, how to get better. I might be able to lend some experience from my, li- my lived experience, or I, m- I might be able to lend some advice based on my lived experience. But I think with some white people, um, they are now getting a little bit more receptive to listening to the lived experience of those that have been on this campus for, for generations or those that have looked like some of us. Um, and there's, um, there's a willingness to at least dialogue that perhaps was not here in, in previous years. Now, I don't want to say that for sure because I wasn't here. I, this is my, my, the end of my third year. Um, but I sense that there is that willingness to delve a little bit deeper into some of these issues and, you know, just try and make it, make it better. 
I completely agree. I think um, that those that are, are firmly opposed to, to any of these discussions are, are, be, are a little more distinct and a little more vocal about it. And those that at least wanted to put their foot in the water are now trying to um, have these conversations come to an understanding at least. Sure. You think they're more vocal or less vocal about their disdain? Uh, I think that there's the, those that are opposed are very, are being becoming a little more vocal about their opposition and a little more harsh. I think. You think so? And yes, and I okay. think. Sorry. Well, no, I was going to say what what makes you think think so? Uh, it, it's well, for one, it's probably easier uh, in this day and age to to be to be vocal about those uh, issues. Um, no matter where you stand, and it, it feels it feels like on 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 their end, it's a lot easier to, to uh, see oneself as as the victim in in this case because it might be a feeling of a loss of of, of power mm -hmm. or or uh, something along the lines of that. Hmm. Um. Wow. Let's see. How do I respond to that? Um, there are going to be people that for whatever reason are just not feeling, you know, what they, they see this as, yeah, political correctness, whatever they want to call it. Some of it is honestly, it's fear. It's fear that if, if someone else gets ahead, then that is going to come at my expense. And, you know, when I worked in sales, uh, we always used to say, gee, as every new store that is opened is an opportunity for us to sell more, even if it's right next door. And what, what, the, what the statistics and the sales numbers showed was that sales would go up based on that competition. So there was really not any fear that you should have of that sort of thing. I think if we could adopt that mindset a little bit more here, where our students of color coming here and doing well is not going to be at the expense of our traditionally white students, it's gonna benefit all of us as a community in a way that might be lost on us right now. Um, you know, I, I don't know, I just, I, I grew up in an area where that was sort of the mentality and not that Cleveland Heights was perfect, but you know, for many years we had, uh, we had discussions about race. We went to a, a very integrated school. We saw people like us that were the highest of the high and the lowest of the low. We saw the majority community that were in the same boat. They were great students and there were some not so good students. There were some great athletes and there were some not so great athletes. So we sort of grew up in, um, in, the, in the presence of people that were um, a, a bit more of a melting pot uh, and in larger numbers than what we might, might have here. Well, um, as a final question before we head off, uh, is there anything else you'd like to add? We've only just begun, and anyone who is scared of what St. Ignatius is going to become need only walk into a classroom or walk down a hallway and feel the history of this place. What, what, what 130 plus years of history has built can never be torn down by one moment in time or, or one movement. Uh, I, I just don't see it. I, 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 I have faith in those that came before us. I have faith in the Jesuits that we will continue to evolve and grow and we will continue to be the preeminent high school in the city of Cleveland. 
I'm Ever Allen Hood with Mr. Stewart, and this has been The Melting Pot.